It is my joy um, and honour to launch us into a new sermon series this morning. Um, we just finished off last week, Sam finished us um, with the uh, series on John, working through the first part of the book of John. Um, and so today we are starting our new series, which is called The Greatest of These is Love. It's a line from scripture uh, that reads, and now these three, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. It's from 1 Corinthians. It's that, that one of the most famous passages in the Bible because it follows from um, that section that is read at weddings and marriages. I'm sure you know it. Love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. But in this writing, Paul was addressing the church in Corinth. Not couples, not even the individual. He was talking to a whole body of people who were messy and disorganized and they were conflicted, but he was imploring them to love. Not love romantically, but love as a family. Love as a united people who are proud to be children of God. So when you get home later, I'd suggest reading that whole chapter again through the lens of it being addressed to God's church. And I think you, you'll find that it will take on a very different meaning. But that's what we're going to be looking at over the coming weeks, the relationships that we hold within the church, within our friendships, and how we give of our full selves to this invested body of believers. Does that sound okay? Exciting? Yeah, lovely. Um, and so this week, I am going to be talking about community. Um, yes, what it looks like to gather as a group of people and what is so distinctive about Christian community and how we can be deliberate in that. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be reading from Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. It's from Acts 2, 42 onwards. And it's also going to come up on the screen as well. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Lovely. Um, has anyone heard of this phrase, no man is an island? Do a show of hands if you've heard of it. Even just talking to a few people this morning, they were saying that they've heard it in films and songs and things. Um, no man is an island. Um, it's not from Shakespeare. It's, not, or it's also not from the Bible. Um, it's actually from a sermon that was delivered by a priest called John Don um, in the 17th century. I think we've got a picture of him. Yeah, right? 
With a beard like that, you kind, you kind of deserve the surname Don, don't you, really? Is <laughs> that... No, Movember's coming up soon. Maybe a few people try doing that. Um, but he was the dean of St. Paul's Cathedral in the 17th century, um, but he's also um, known for being a poet. And the full line um, uh, that's actually from this sermon is, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. And I love the imagery of this line. It sort of sits in my mind's eye like one of those map images that you look at a specific thing and then you zoom out and you zoom out and you see the bigger picture. You zoom out and you get a fuller image of what is actually attached to it. I remember when Google Maps first came out. In fact, it wasn't Google Maps, it was called Google Earth. And I was like hunched over the laptop. And again, it wasn't even a laptop whatever they were called. Um, what was it? It was a PC, wasn't it? Uh, hunched over it with my mouse, scrolling out on the Great Wall of China because I wanted to see if you could actually see it from space. So you scroll out until you get the whole sphere of the Earth in front of you. Um, you can't see it. Turns out that is actually uh, what NASA referred to as a space-based myth. Yeah. You could come for a science lesson today, guys. Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make and the image that John Don is creating is that we are connected. We are beings that relate to and share things with each other. No more is this so exemplified in this passage from Acts that we've just read. And there's so much that we can draw out from this passage. We can approach it from lots of different angles. But today, I just want to ask about this way of carrying community. Who is it for? And why is it such a fundamental element to our faith as a whole? I believe the passage demonstrates to us that it is twofold. It is for us, it's for each other, it's for the church, but it is also for others. It is for our city. So firstly, we're looking at for the church. I just want to pause um, and speak to my introverts, fellow introverts in the room. Um, I hear you. I'm speaking as someone who loves renting by themselves, takes themselves off for solo cinema trips and beach trips. I've taken myself on holiday before. Um, I am a very content introvert. But this is not about introversion and extroversion. God made them both equal. God made them both important contributors to society. And he made all of us in, for relationship and to make connections in different forms and capacities. Can I get a shout out for my introverts? Yeah, big fans. Um, so for all of us, when we read a passage like this, we might experience a variety of emotions. You might be inspired, you might be surprised, you might feel motivated, you might feel exhausted even just thinking about it. But what I believe is so compelling is this commitment and this radical devotion that they have to each other and to this exploding church that they were seeing. Jesus had come along and ignited 
their hearts and imagination through His life, through His death and then through His resurrection. And God's Spirit had come and filled this collective body of people with His wisdom and authority. They had caught a glimpse of the Kingdom of God and realised that nothing, nothing could be the same from here on out. So this devotion and this commitment is a primary part of what living out our faith looks like. Rich Velodas, who was um, one of the main speakers at Focus this year, he writes, he says this, the primary fruit of the gospel is not going to heaven when you die. It's a new family that is made in the name of Jesus. A new humanity is possible. I wonder if we sometimes get those things the other way around. See, when we step into a life of Jesus, when we say yes to him, we are saying yes to that abundant life. We are saying yes to beautiful forgiveness and the washing away of all things that hold us back. But we're also saying yes to this beautiful church, to the people that are sat around you right now. And so that's where sometimes I feel like verse 44 can be a little bit misleading. It's the verse that says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Because what this verse is not saying is that they looked, acted and dressed and sounded the same. We see it in the collection of individuals that Jesus called to be his disciples. They were all from different backgrounds, with different jobs. They held different views on society and religion. Andrew, Peter, James and John, they were fishermen. They were businessmen. Matthew, he was a tax collector. Simon, he was a zealot. Um, And that means he could either have been a politician or he could have been a revolutionary with the aim to overthrow the Roman government. Two quite different things. All of them doing different things. And so when these guys got together in a room, I imagine conversations could have been interesting, a little bit spicy, perhaps even uncomfortable at times. But in that discomfort, they grew and they learnt from each other. They reconciled what it was to be a believer of Jesus. It's another reason why the religious leaders of the time were so perplexed with who Jesus was because he was able to bring together people from completely different worlds and unite them amongst their differences. That was what was so distinctive and so challenging to the people around them. And so like Rich Veloda said, that vision of a new humanity, it became modelled as a reality in that moment. So... Leaning into this distinctive community is why we give so much encouragement to joining and being part of this church, but also being part of a table. If you're new to St. Mary's, tables are what we call our discipleship groups, our small groups in other churches, they call them things like that. We call them tables. And it comes from this understanding that so often the strongest families are built around time together, traditions being shared and connecting around a space like a table. Um, Tables are the place that we build a depth of connections, we invest in other people. They are places where we bring our full, honest selves to lean into and to move forward in our own discipleship. 
Yes, we are seeking out the direction of God in our lives, but we are seeking out also the direction of God in each other's lives too. This is not simply a personal journey that we're on, but a collective one that is shared by other people. Um, So I just wanted to give a moment to hear from people who are on tables, part of tables. If you're a table leader, I'm not going to get you to stand up, um, but if you could just give a little wave. If you're a table leader, go on, be brave, lovely. Could we give these guys a round of applause as well? Here we go. It's It's a morning of encouragement and... These are fantastic individuals who do so much and give so much and are wonderful, lovely people. If you're new, make a beeline for them. Say hello to them. Um, But I just wanted to bring up Tim. Uh, He's going to come and share with us. Go on, another round of applause. Yeah, lovely. Hello, Tim. Hello. Thank you. Come, come a little bit closer into the middle. Lovely. Um, so, Tim, how long have you been coming to St Mary's for? Uh, about 18 months. 18 months. Um, and you've been part of a table for the last year and recently um, have just taken on now leading that table. Um, so, tell us a little bit about your group, the makeup of your group, who you are. Cool. Uh, so our table is predominantly made up of young adults, uh, mostly working with a couple of students. So we meet uh, every Tuesday, uh, every week, try and get in one social a month, which is quite good for everything from just chilling and playing games to going for walks in the forest, a bit of bowling, Lovely. all that classic young adult stuff, I know. I actually went bowling yesterday and I put my back out from it, so... <laughs> If you've got any pointers, that would be really great. Um, lovely. So you meet and you do socials, but tell us a little bit about some of the practical stuff that you do when you meet up during the week. What's the stuff that you talk about, all that things? Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll generally meet up, play a little game just to sort of break the ice, um, and then we'll generally dive into the Bible. So in the past uh, sort of six, seven months, we've gone through Job, which was pretty, pretty heavy. Mm. But great, nice. and, uh, and then we went through ACT. So it was really interesting. It's interesting to go through Job as a group because I think it raises a lot of questions. And as a group, it's quite a good group to, with people going, no, I don't get it. And, or how does that work? Which is really, really good. People not being afraid to ask questions and then diving into ACT to sort of seeing what the, what the church looked like back then and sort of how we shape what we do now. So maybe you could be doing this talk on ACT then, actually. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've got... So take over, Tim. (laughs) Lovely. Um, And so those, that time of discussion and sharing and chatting is often the moments that we learn and grow and hear different perspectives. Um, Could you share with us something that you have learnt about Jesus in those moments through that company? Uh, I think think it's... um... It's, it's learning in the community and it's learning to, like, to lean in to each other and actually that Jesus has put us together to, to do that as well. Yeah. I think uh, at times over the year, various members of the group, including myself, have had, have had rough times and it's nice being able to sort of lean in, lean into that and know, know Jesus in that through, through the company that you're in. Yeah. yeah, and so that stuff, how has that then impacted the rest of your week? Uh, so I can genuinely say, and I'm not just saying this because I'm standing up here uh, selling tables, is that it, 
for a large portion of my year, it's been the best part of my week. Uh, coming, to, uh, coming to St Mary's and then sort of investing in a table, uh, making new friends and just like-minded people. We had a, a group that was very open to discussion and uh, when I first started, I was petrified. I was uh, saying to Emily earlier that I sat outside the first, uh, the first week I went and texted my mate, like, I'm not going in there. Uh, but I'm really glad I did. And uh, yeah, so I think for me, it does just, it has brightened my week. And we've got a WhatsApp group going that you can just throw anything out on that you need. So uh, yeah, it's been, it's been pivotal for me. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tim. Right. Let's give him another round of applause. Thank you. And so that's what we would hope um, tables would look like in different ways, in different places across the city. You know, we've talked about collectives already today. There will be collective tables. Tim's table is um, a young adults one. Um, but we have tables that are a broad mixture of ages of people. Um, regardless of wherever you are at in your walk with Jesus, this is for you. <laughs> this is for each of us. Because it's one thing to sit here on on a Sunday and hear and absorb what's being said by lots of different voices in this hour and a half, two hours that we've got, but to then go and process and go, well, what, what difference does this make? How am I carrying this through the rest of the week? Where am I seeing Jesus in my nine to five? Where am I seeing Jesus in my home? So join a table, basically. <laughs> um, come and talk to me at the end. There's a few of us who will be lingering by this little table in the corner here. Um, we can tell you more. We can also um, take your details and point you towards um, another table. It's a great time to sign up. We've got a few new ones starting as well. Um, so this is the day to do it. And yeah, that's it. Do it, join the table. <laughs> Many significant moments in Jesus' ministry, they take place around a table. And like we've talked about, there can often be life-altering, transformative conversations that are had. It's something powerful when we gather together with the expectation that Jesus is at work. So it is for us, it is for the church, but community is also for our city. There's a couple of lines in the passage that we read that I just want to draw out. It's verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And then a couple of lines later, the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. This is not just some insular, removed, separate community that kept themselves to themselves. They came together and just as much as they were looking out for each other, they were outward focused with their desires. Yes, they met together to eat and pray, um, but they were constantly alongside the hurting, the isolated, the stranger, who through the invitation of those people and through the salvation and the transformation of God, those people would move from being broken to whole. They would move from being stranger to friend. There is always room and space for more to come to know Jesus. There will always be places for people to meet with and understand the love that God has for them. And so we, as a community, get to extend that invitation. There's one reflection.
section that I read when I was putting this talk together and I loved it so much. It says, the virtues of justice, worship and mutuality are not accomplishments of extraordinary folk. They are signs of the spirit within a community of people who understand themselves as united in purpose and identity not dispersed collection of individual goers. I'll just read that second part again. Um, People who understand themselves as united in purpose and identity, not dispersed collection of individual churchgoers. We are a people that are placed with a collective purpose. We are different in many beautiful ways, but we share that identity. If we just take a step back for a minute and look at the wider context that we find ourselves in, the pace of life is ever increasing, the fallout of the pandemic is still lingering, we're under this illusion that social media connects us more when in actual fact it's actually creating invisible barriers that make authentic, honest conversations hard to be had. People are trapped in loneliness and isolation. There was a study done um, by the Center for Social Justice in 2021, and they published this report um, about community in the UK, and they identified these three main factors that were the core aspects of community, and those are belonging, security, and connection. And using these aspects, they did a study across the country and they found that community was at its weakest in cities. Where there are more people, there is more isolation. I've got a map to show you a little bit of that from the study. I'm sorry that that second image is so blurry. Um, Where there is blue, the darker the blue, the better the um, people felt that there was community in their area, and then the lighter the colour gets and the brightest yellow parts was people feeling like they had no community. And it's harder to see at the back, so I'm so sorry, Um, but we've got this kind of strip of blue across the bottom of the UK, and then there are two yellow spots right in the centre. One is Portsmouth and one is Southampton. Students and young professionals are moving to this city and struggling to find belonging, security and connection. Young people are growing up in areas around us desperate to find meaningful, sincere friendships. The elderly are being pushed to the margins more and more. There is so much need. But we, as the church, just like the early church, have the tools and we have the language to say we see you, we understand you, and this is not how things are meant to be. A life cut off off from people is not the plan that God has for us. He has friendships and relationships in store for each of us, relationships that are patient, that are kind, that bring truth, that persevere through life's hardest moments. And that's why our tables are not meant to be inward-facing, holy huddles, but missional, purposeful networks of believers doing different roles across the city. We get to cheer on each other and take what we're learning in these groups about Jesus, about ourselves, about the world, into the places that we are and point to who he is. 
This distinctive community is something that every single one of us is called into. It's something we carry with us for our church, but also for our city. So at the start of this new term, this is the perfect opportunity to take stock of wherever you are at with it and then take the next step forward. As I said, come and sign up for a table or come and talk to me about leading a table if this is something that you are passionate about. Or maybe you can invite a friend from work or uni to come along to one of your tables. Whatever the next step is, just remember that this is the greatest love that we are bringing people into. Love that we can receive ourselves, but love that we can point others towards. And just like the disciples and the followers that we read about, we devote ourselves to it wholeheartedly. Amen. Amen.